Hi, Gala. Hi, Rose. How's it going? What's up? Ha, Jinx, you owe me a soda. <laughs> you better come claim it. <laughs> On my way to New Mexico with my doggy. I wish we could put like, um, you know, those moving walkways at airports, like something like yeah. that, but even more effective between New York and New Mexico. Like a, like the ton, like the Jetson, like the little pipes where they go in the pipe and then it's like, whoop, and they're in another spot. Or even like affordable, accessible high-speed trains like every other civilized country has. No. But civilization isn't that great. Just high-speed trains and indoor plumbing. Yeah, the, the trouble about trains. <laughs> the trouble about trains is that they probably need to get built. And they're going to decimate like a bunch of fucking small towns to build those fucking trains that they do. They're not going to use the Amtrak line. They'll like be like, we need whole new jobs, whole new lines. Also, my dog is going bananas right now because I was gone for two hours. So in case you hear her flipping over her like metal dog bed or... I don't know, furiously throwing herself into the couch because she threw her own ball under it. That's what's happening. So apologies in advance. I think dykes of the world really know that experience. Mm -hmm. I'm counting on it. Speaking of experiences, Gala, in this Northern Hemisphere, it is spring. Is it summer there, basically? (laughs) It went back to spring. It's back to denim weather. We had a moment of... Confusions of all sorts. The squirrels were out, butts were out, everyone was out, and now we're back to 60s. I like that. I just feel like it'd be nice to just like be in a somewhat chill zone. I don't think that's actually possible psychologically, but perhaps physically the weather could like just help sustain a mood for more than five minutes, you know? Right, so you're saying you want the weather to be the same. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like I would like a like a full-on sp- spring. I would mm-hmm. like to just like have not something wild happening for just 10 minutes. Three yeah, minutes. I guess it turns out that I missed most of spring in New York City because I was out of town. <laughs> and I came back and all the magnolias had already Damn. lost all of their blooms. It was like I just missed a whole season in 10 days. I I mean, I guess that is the thing, right? Like New York, how much happens in a New York minute? Multiply that (laughs) by nine days. (laughs) New York minute. (laughs) Okay. Frank Sinatra. Yeah, you're welcome. Frank Sinatra, come on. Where were you? Where have you Uh, been? um, Where are you going? Where have you been? (laughs) That's a Joyce Carol Oates reference. Um, It's a creepy story. I was... I was at a Vipassana retreat um, in the Catskills. That's where I was. Is that one where like you can't talk and you sit on the floor and stuff and eat like? Porridge? I mean, most meditation retreats you're definitely on the ground. Okay. You know. Okay. And uh, yes, you can't talk for for all of those ten days. You take a vow of noble silence. 
it's like in a situation like that, everything is so heightened and you really don't have any conversations and you're just talking to yourself and then you're sitting inside your mind. So whenever an event occurs, it feels like huge, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. like, and I'm not talking about like a real event. I'm talking about like a yogurt spill. Um, It's (laughs) anyway, wild ride. Um, you know, one day, can you hear my dog now? I can hear your dog. Yeah. I get there early in the morning. I'm the first on the line. They've set out jugs of milk with no milk in them, like with a tablespoon of milk. Listen, every single woman picked up that carton and jiggled it and looked around with fear in her eyes before setting it down. So, yeah, you know, I noted some things. Do you think that was part of the spiritual test? Dude, I spent the first two of my 10 days really trying to figure out whether or not everything was a social experiment. I had a lot of questions, um, a lot of suspicions. You know, it's like, why is the honey set out on some days but not others? Mm -hmm. Are we supposed to abstain from caffeine? Are we supposed to drink this taster's choice? If you want me to be on time somewhere, then... Why don't you have a clock that I'm allowed to look at at all times? Just gentle questions. If you want me to meditate in my room, why is it 50 degrees in there? Why won't you turn the heat on? (laughs) Wow. Thoughts. Thoughts I had. Questions, thoughts, suspicions, which is a classic uh, Sagittarian Scorpio journey when things are not, when things are not as comfortable as they should be, Taurus Moon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congrats on taking that journey, following it through, exploring your suspicions, you know? Yeah. At one point, I just, I really had to lean into the message that was actually given to me by a friend of mine on a pin. The pin just said, shit doesn't have to make sense. And I really had to lean into that. I was like, shit does not have to make sense. This milk situation, this milk debacle. doesn't have to make sense. This temperature in the room situation, this clock situation, all the situations that I perceived as like illogical and inefficient, they don't have to make sense. It's a lot. It's a lot for me, but I got there. I'm evolved now. Have you evolved since I've been gone? Oh, I've just had like exhaustion induced chill takeover. Like I'm just too tired to have anxiety right now. Ooh, yeah, I know that one. It's a good one in a way. I was so anxious leading up to tearing her at our bathroom and redoing it. And then as soon as like the actual labor started, I slept so well, you know? Yeah, you became a mold expert. I became a mold expert. I had to respirate and wear Tyvek and HEPA filters on everything, clean all the shit out. But luckily it was less than we thought. So that was nice. It was easy to get it out. This is so boring for everybody listening, but is it? I don't know. I don't really know. Maybe is it about lesbian competency? We started the like the demo on a Monday, and the Friday before, I got this email from my landlord that was basically like, "Sit down and shut up, sweetheart. I'm the ultimate decider, and this contractor I hired is the expert." But anyway, basically, talked this big game. Couldn't get this other guy to show up until like ten in the morning. He was like stoned the whole time, which like no shade, love the weed as well. But to like blatantly smoke in front of clients and then be like, I'm confused. 
I'm not too good at math. And then he like put drywall in for a tub that actually specifically stated to not be attached to drywall. Like he just added an extra potential mold situation for no reason, made extra work for himself and me. Anyway, very boring. I was almost done complaining about this guy, but hadn't gotten to talk to you about him. Basically what happened is I thought this other person was going to do 90% of it and I was just going to help and then became clear that that's not what was happening. So then I just finished it myself and told them to leave and uh, sent my landlord pictures over a week ago and still have not heard back. Like not even a like, hey, looks great. Thanks for bailing me out. <laughs> I mean, that's just the results that your cat Venus have to live with and you know it. God. Anyway. Yeah. It's not about the praise. It's about a job well done, Rose. <laughs> All that to say, it's wild in the sky right now. And I'm just like, I can't even like. Yeah, we're recording on the eclipse. That's funny, too. We're recording on the eclipse and then Mercury stations retrograde on Friday. I've been feeling the Mercury retrograde hard. Yeah. Which I which I sometimes don't, but I swear to God, it's just like technology. It's I have a pet cam. The, the minute I go outside, my phone dies. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like bullshit like that, where you're mm-hmm. just like, what is this glitch called the universe? Yeah, that's real. Well, how close is it to your moon? It's like five or nine. That's ground zero, friend. Yeah. This Mercury retrograde is going from 15 back to five. So the folks listening, if you have natal placements in fixed signs, that's Scorpio, Taurus, Aquarius, and Leo that are in that kind of range, you might be a little more tuned in. (laughs) Yeah. Seven, seven degrees, right between five and nine. (laughs) Look at you. Look at you. Okay. Why are we here? Okay, well, we're here because even though it's the end of Aries season, there's still a lot of energy in the sky. Jupiter is there, Chiron is there, and the eclipses are shifting into the axis of Aries and Libra. And one of our very favorite Aries starred in a rare, perfect television program that we enjoyed immensely. It's true. Who's our favorite Aries? One of our favorite Aries is Natasha <laughs> Leone, who, true. you know, is here to remind us that Aries never die. They just skip mm-hmm. town. That's true. And they never, I mean, like, it, Natasha Leone is ageless in the sense that she doesn't always look young, but she's always looked that age. Yes. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, she looked 40 in Slums of Beverly Hills. And she looks yeah, yeah. funny now. Yeah. She looks the same. I mean, she's a little bit more fresh faced and slums, you know, but Yeah, that's a good point. There's something about a fire sign with the smokiest voice that I just like just tickles me to no end, right? That's it's like, true. It's the grizzled yeah. Aries. You know another Aries who is having a parallel success story? Who? Pedro Pascal with The Last of Us. Wow. I know. No wonder I think he's hot. It's my damn Harry's curse. <laughs> okay, so what is the name of the show, you might oh. ask <laughs> listeners? The name of the show is called Poker Face. What's it about? Rose? What's it about? It's fundamentally about a spunky little fire brand who has wheeled and dealed her way through the world, leaning heavily upon 
a mysterious yet potent trait in that she is a walking, talking bullshit detector. Yes, that's true. She's a bullshit detector. And, you know, we we meet her. We meet Charlie uh, when she's working at a casino, right? Because she used these skills to play cards and win quite a bit to the point that the casinos all were like, she's counting cards, she's cheating, she's whatever. And basically one family who ran a casino kind of pulled her in and we we're like, we won't kill you or break your legs, but like, you got to get off the floor. Or we're losing too much money. Right. Is that essentially kind of what happened? Yeah. Basically just get her, get her off of their like tables and get her under their control. But nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> no. Especially not an Aries baby like Natasha Leone or Charlie, shall we say. I mean, Natasha Leone is essentially almost always a little bit playing herself. Um, it's one person. It's the same as Russian doll, basically. Like it is. Mad. And I mean, I do think her younger roles were, but who knows? Maybe she was younger, different. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, speaking of younger roles, what Natasha Leone as a kind of co-writer really gives us on the show, because she's not just starring in it, she's part of the production, is an Easter egg hunt of like famous cameos of people Mm -hmm. who we see as connected to her and just a kind of like a general queer charcuterie, you know, a queer charcuterie. Yeah. Of gay, not gay individuals, (laughs) just like her. Exactly. As I like to refer to them, non-practicing. Non-practicing homosexuals. Exactly. Well, and what's interesting, right, this is a Rian Johnson endeavor who already did like those two spy movies with Daniel Craig, who I found so annoying. Like these were also star studded cast and like the most clever detective who who can just like figure everything out. And I was so annoyed with his weird. No, he needed Natasha. He needed her. He did. Right. And so they was like, okay, wait a second. Let's serialize it and let's put somebody else in this role. And like, wow. 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 times better, right? It's like Murder, She Wrote meets... It's like Columbo, which is kind of the the influence. But there's also like, there's also an element of clue, mm-hmm. but it's also just like the way that it references those feels very campy, sort of mm. like some of his other movies. Like there is this element of like, they're not being serious. Yeah. And yet there's something very compelling about her and about the people that she interacts with so there is a way in which it's both playful it is straight camp yeah and it's <laughs> heterosexual camp is that a thing article brought to you later <laughs> it's just like raunchy fun yeah and it also you know it taps into that like satisfying kind of serialized formulaic storyline done it yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Here's the thing. In the beginning, you see a murder. Then you have to try to figure it out. Then they figure it out. It's satisfying. We move on, right? Like that is mm-hmm. something we love to engage with and devour because it makes us feel like we're doing something just like why Ooh. people like to watch sports, right? Like wow, like a real Libra Aries axis just right there. Yeah, right? Look An injustice. Do something about it. An <laughs> injustice. Do something about it. Mm-hmm. And also that like there is this like emotional intelligence around relationality. Like for being a weird loner who says they don't like people, Charlie is very good at showing up in a random place and like making allies, figuring out what's going on in like a charming, sometimes naive way. Right. Yeah. Yes. 
but it's, it's like true. the show doesn't go without her. So she's got her open enemy who's chasing her in the form of Benjamin Bratt, speaking of law and order. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. But then, the, but so it's also kind of this like there's the longer arc of her being chased from place to place, and then she like just can't help but get muddled up with the locals. <laughs> and it just so happens that most of the locals that she gets muddled up with are gay, not gay, mm. you know, charcuteries, except for, you know, Clea Duvall, who she's brought in, who's her sister. So no muddling right. there. And probably the gayest feature I mean, of the all gay is gay. Yeah. I guess the other gay is gay would be Cherry Jones, right? And then we have Hong Xiao, who mm-hmm. is maybe not gay, but has definitely been in queer roles. Yeah. Played a little gay with a little Aaliyah Shaw cat <laughs> in that Duck Butter movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. we have Stephanie Seuss' character, which I feel like, you know, is beyond sex or gender. Oh, Stephanie Shu is Morty? Yeah. 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 The pickpocket. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a guy over there, you know? Just a, <laughs> just guy. a dude. Yeah. Exactly. Just a dude. Almost the whole cast has this kind of peripheral relationship to queer media or content or, or queer culture, right? It's like Natasha Leone, but I'm a cheerleader. Boom. Easy, obvious. Or just New Black, mm-hmm. um, even Slums of Beverly with Marissa Tomei. I feel like that's a root. Like, let's be real about you- that that situation between them, you know? I mean, you're not watching that movie for the dudes, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but also even just like personal choices, right? Like dating mm-hmm. Fred Armisen feels... Bisexual, very- bisexual exactly. culture. Exactly, that's bisexual culture. Those are two bisexuals together. Yeah, they're by on by, right? Because who else has Fred dated? <laughs> Carrie Brownstein, also bisexual behavior. <laughs> everyone knows what's going on. You can't. Yeah. Everyone can see it. Everyone can see it. We can see it. We can smell it. We can hear it. Chloe yeah. Sevigny, also 90s roots, really like. Listen, <laughs> Chloe, if these walls could talk. Boys don't cry, bad, but important. Fucking, even recently, doing Lizzie Borden with Kristen Stewart. Oh my gosh, that's right. She was like really indoctrinating another Aries, young Aries dyke into the world. Yeah. I mean, but even if we want to go back to Hung Chow, was also in Big Little Lies, which had more, like more gay by association, gay, not gay, right? Like Laura Dern, you can't tell me, is not a non-practicing homosexual. She made Ellen come out. Oh my God, that's fucking right. (laughs) She made Ellen come out. She was like, Jeff Goldblum, you're not that hot in Jurassic Park, which is like weirdly a gay, not gay move because then also I feel like being attracted to Jeff Goldblum is gay. Yes, it's bisexual. It's bisexual, Bisexual culture. Bisexual Bisexual culture. culture. Reese Witherspoon, speaking of Aries, who just feel important, rooted. Who can even... I don't even understand the Reese thing, but it's true. Do you know what I mean? Is it because of that one movie where she was Little Red Riding Hood? Freeway? I mean, yeah. Yeah. That was like non-practicing homosexual behavior. And then she practiced a little bit with Brittany Murphy in jail, actually. Oh shit, did she? I think so in that movie. I'll I'll put it in the notes. Um Gosh. and then of course Nicole Kidman who She's actually gay. She's actually gay. 
Yeah. Actually gay. Scientology, left Scientology, gay, just homosexual. I mean, come Next on. Case. Even her beard is Next. gay, right? Next. I mean, Sagittarius Venus, gay. <laughs> I'll try anything twice. <laughs> uh, we have Judith Light, bisexual beacon. That's true. Absolutely true. Who shares the stage with, I don't know if you're familiar with this actor, but basically Judith Light in that episode, her accomplice, her partner in crime is S. Epitha Merkerson, who some might recognize from Law and Order, but before that was the talking head clue master in the Carmen San Diego TV show, which like I don't know how that's not the gay root of many a lesbian destination. You learn geography by trying to figure out what country, this capital city, this mysterious, well-dressed woman is in and you spend your time and your days chasing her around the world yeah i mean that's just a lesbian tale as old as time <laughs> you know it's true and you know even the cis dudes on this show have not escaped the vortex right because we have joseph gordon levitt that's a lesbian third rock from the sun yeah there's a certain like shy programmer developer dapper soft butch dyke aesthetic that is also actually joseph gordon levitt in the that's really true that and 10 things i hate about you (laughs) yes when he was trying to kick it to alex mack another lesbian group yes see that's sort of like the that's the the tree or whatever the tree is alex mack (laughs) yes yes that little backwards hat there's no Hard and fast rules here in this association game, but you know it when you see it, you know. Yeah, and it feels chock full. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course there's Cherry Jones, who right. is no no need for associations here. One of the original lesbians. Yes. <laughs> what about Adrian Brody? Adrian Brody, long fingers played the piano in a movie. What else do you need to know? <laughs> Long fingers plays the piano. Knows like, how to fold a pocket square. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. lesbian canon. I feel like he could also like fuck you with his nose. Definitely. He does not need a chindo. It's true. I'm sorry. I just returned from a silent retreat. There's a chindo. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is old. This is like, this is not a new thing. This is like when you go to sex toy stores that are ashamed cis people who don't want to spend a lot of money so they're like some of these are a joke and some of these aren't and you don't know which isn't that funny goddess forbid we actually like directly address our own kinks and like express our sexuality in a healthy consensual way right so right 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 penis candy mm-hmm. yeah exactly that kind of shit right whereas like you go to babeland and they're like this harness is 90 dollars, and you're like come on <laughs> i should get like an earned income credit Towards this. You weren't dating anybody at Babeland? No. It's <laughs> not my type. Whoa. Shots fired. Oh. I already knew them all in like a platonic way, you know? And mm. I know that lesbians date their friends all the time, but um, it's not my style, really. Don't want those foods but- to touch. Yeah, that's, you know, that makes you kind of unusual amongst other Aquarians. Maybe your Virgo moon doesn't want your food to touch. But we're here to talk about 
a delicious show that is not gay, but also <laughs> is gay, is like incredibly gay in ways that can't and don't need to be fully ap- explicated, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just here to give it to you. But (laughs) the truth is, some things just need to be experienced for you to know what they are. And this is good. I'll also say for the record that um, the show is on Peacock, Uh, Inaccessible, and that how I got to watch it was because a lesbian or possibly queer, and we have to check in about identifiers. We haven't hung out in a few years, but... I'll say known to me as a lesbian friend of mine who I met through a different queer person saw on the internet that I didn't have access to the show and, and sent me her password. And the last time that that happened between her and I, she bought me a season of killing Eve because she is my queer TV fairy godmother and fabulous poet, Hannah Ensor. But I do want to say that even that exchange was gay. Like, another gay thing about this show is that gay people insist that I watch it. Yeah. (laughs) And now I'm the gay person insisting that people have to watch it. (laughs) And it's like, why do we love it? You know, I think part of it is... There's something about Aries' insistence mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. just being themselves at whatever cost, being able to just like leave and burn something to the ground if it's being like constricted or devoured or repressed, right? Just like the insistence of spring, the insistence of Aries' spirit, that where yes. it's like she finds a place where she can work, where she can get paid cash, she has no responsibility, then she sniffs out something fucked up, can't leave it alone can't stay anymore does it again let me just start dogged and over yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. for sure i think that's super queer you know what i mean like both acts right like being like you know what being comfortable isn't worth watching this injustice play out yeah and i also think that you know it seems like this is a show that's really centered around friendship from all these different types of angles like there really isn't this like driving force towards some sort of like head love story, you know, which is great. I really enjoyed that in the show, even any kind of love story. Like this is not about dating. Mm -mm. This is not about like, here's a story, but at some point some dude's going to come along or some chick, whatever. And like uh, vastly prove this person's life. It's like, nah, like nothing is going to improve this person's life. she's fucked you know she's just along for the ride and she's fucked yeah well well the irony is they turn it on its head right there is that temporary dalliance in the beginning of escape from ship mountain the second to last episode where she like Mm -hmm. gets distracted by some like himbo in the mountains Mm -hmm. and then it's like but then he's like let's keep going and she's like nah i don't think so man That's not going to work. Exactly, exactly. It's good. It's so good. I mean, it just felt so satisfying in a way that, like, I feel I not many shows feel like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do know. <laughs> Perhaps we might think about talking about the episodes a little bit yeah. for those who have watched it, you yes. know? It's a great time to get involved 
we're thinking through the episodes as different signs of yeah. the zodiac just for fun you know just something we like to do you get a little kicks where we can it's true we do we do and so this is also a time to say that like if your ex-girlfriend's ex-girlfriend's best friend's live-in lover hasn't sent you a peacock password yet you might consider cultivating a coalition to go in on a subscription um and also maybe skipping ahead because there's spoilers abound (laughs) honestly the whole rest of this episode is one giant spoiler so if you haven't seen the show and plan on it you probably should just come back after you do (laughs) um should we start with the first episode yeah, let's do it. What's that episode about? That's where all that shit hits the fan right away. The shit thrown against the fan. Right. The episodes play out in like kind of a disjointed manner. They often first show us a murder and then rewind and then kind of give us context and then help us try to figure out what's happening. But the gist of it is we come to meet Charlie working in this casino, right? There's the big boss who we haven't seen. There's Adrian Brody and then Benjamin Bratt is kind of like the security enforcer. She has a very good friend. They're close. Her friend's boyfriend kind of sucks. Her friend cleans rooms, sees something she shouldn't see on a computer. And then mysteriously, she and her boyfriend both die in what is staged to look like a Mm murder-suicide. And Natasha Lyonne in investigating and trying to get to the bottom of it, becomes suspicious of what's going on here, gets pulled in by management to try to pull one last big take on this big kahuna, this whale, right? This guy who comes and spends lots of money. Mm-hmm. Um, by big kahuna. By playing a rigged <laughs> game, right? Right. Of course, she starts to unravel what's actually happened, throws the game, which leads to an outright shitstorm and her fleeing after Adrian Brody, trigger warning, commits suicide because he's in so much debt and needed this money, right? Isn't that kind of it? Yeah, I don't even know. Was it dead or was he just like he was fucked? He was just like afraid. Maybe you ruined the casino's reputation, right? Because now he's all the big like... fish won't come play. Yeah, kahunas, fish, whales, everybody's around. Um, This is an aquarium. (laughs) Yeah, so it really, you know, this is the jump off. And it's the beginning of the journey that we're taking. So why not put the fool's card right on it, right? Mm -hmm. Jump off the cliff. Of Mm -hmm. course. You're talking about Aries, the first sign of the zodiac, right? Exactly. Just heading on out. Mm-hmm. Just seeing what's what's to be seen, kicking the shit where it needs to be kicked, and not yet thinking of the consequences. Right. Violent separation, sudden departure. Oops, guess I have to be a brand new baby again. Right? <laughs> 100%. Yeah. So we see things get going. We also see kind of the Aries naivety at first, right? Mm-hmm. At first, Natasha Leone like doesn't want to believe that this was an inside job mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then it's solely revealed to her and then she basically has to confront whether she wants to save her own neck or solve this and kind of stand up and avenge her friend right right and i mean if something aries can't pass up it's like a revenge nerd <laughs> 
Um, when were there the hero for sure you know yeah yeah for real and so she hits the road she hits the open road which brings us to episode two gala do you think you can tell us what happens in episode two i mean can i who can say but here's what goes down tasha leon's on the road she her her um car her car, what's happening here? Yeah, that's the car one. Her car breaks down. She needs help. She takes it to uh, a car repair place. What are those called? Mechanic. Yeah. And then the mechanic's like, I'm going to need a day. So she's chilling, you know, minding her business. And this is when she meets Hong Xiao under, you know, obviously the name of the okay. character whose name I can't recall right now, but... The character is sort of like a long haul, like trucker, free woman. (laughs) No gods, no masters type of deal. She makes a pass at Natasha Leone after I think maybe giving her like a dinner. That's Mm. like what, like an egg and a toast. Um, <laughs> Natasha Leona is like thanks but no thanks you're really cool though you know they they connect in a non-sexual way so Natasha Leona's you know she's got an affinity for this woman this wild woman and um then on the other side of things there's a parallel story and play you've got these young people they're really kind of doing that kind of like clerks empire records type stuff mm-hmm. over there you know just these sort of like disengaged youth that really want to change the way they're living and you've got this kind of like cute gothy girl she's working at the convenience desk she's selling the lottery tickets there's this young man handsome young black man who works at the lottery at the subway he works at subway he's always buying his ticket he knows he's going places he wants to get away from some of these creepy white people this is you know an unfortunate state of affairs because the creepy white people they're a menacing force. Yeah. So one of these menacing forces, you know, he's watching this interaction between these two and he's jealous of it. You know, he's like an incel, basically. Mm-hmm. Totally, 100%. <laughs> um, even though we don't see him on a computer, you know he's on it. Um, he's, you know, moderately obsessed with the girl at the convenience counter but i would say he's just as obsessed with this dude like his obsession is sort of like anybody that's not him right like just resentment so it comes to pass that there's a winning lottery ticket Mm -hmm. you know um and a dead body Mm -hmm. and um that dead body winds up in the truck of the woman who is getting blamed for the yeah. death of which she's not responsible because she's mm-hmm. just chilling. Yeah. No gods, no masters, no harm, which stuff, you know? So Tasha Leone, she feels called to act because no. she can't let her woman friend go to jail for something she knows she didn't do. Because yeah. she was with her during the time of death too. And she gets yeah. a weird feeling about that incel dude. Yeah, lots of stuff. Lots of stuffs and lots of stuffs cooking in that kitchen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in that mechanical kitchen. <laughs> so there's a lot to be said for this episode. 
in some ways, the fact that the lottery is the kind of prevailing force and karmic force, if if I if I may say karmic, I understand there are ways in which nobody wants anybody to say karmic, but mm-hmm. you know, given the sort of lexicon that we all share together, yeah. if I were to say karmic force of the lottery, we might think that it's Sagittarian in nature. Well, yeah, Jupiter ruled, right? Gambling, mm-hmm. prospecting is also a Sagittarian and Jupiterian, um, uh, what's the word, pursuit? Every time you say prospecting, I think of like... Pans of gold. Yeah, I think of like river. the gold rush. I think of like some dude in his yeah. like muslin shirt and his like big hat with a pan. But that was also a gamble, right? That was yes. also like built way up that many people kind of lost on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but right to go west searching for gold is problematic and also very american and given that the sibley chart has us with the sag rising there's also something there right yeah the legs of a horse the body of a person Mm. (laughs) um but right she's on the road she's on a journey she stumbles into this um i also think there's something about you know the incel guy at the end of the day, goes up and sits on top of the building, right, to get that, like, elevated perspective and kind of survey what's Mm -hmm. going on. And that that is also where kind of the lightning bolt moment happens, right? From up there, it becomes clear to Natasha Leone what's happening. And that the lottery ticket is, like, luck and then unluck and then luck and unluck Mm. again, that it, like, keeps changing, (laughs) right? Because it's ultimately... The lying about the lottery ticket is what clues Natasha Leone in on the inside. Mm-hmm, that's true. Mm-hmm. Plus the beer bottles play mm-hmm. a part. That's yes, important. Right, which is also Jupiterian. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. It's true. And maybe even have it your way. Wait, what's Subway slogan? <laughs> is it have it your way? No, is that that's Burger King. King. Subway is eat fresh, actually. <laughs> Wow, what a lie, you know? What a lie. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Sorry, Subway, not sorry. Mm -hmm. All right. What about the next episode? That's the barbecue one, Rose. Right. The next episode, we, I think, land somewhere in Texas. Is that right? Because the mechanic is New Mexico. She goes somewhere else. Anyway, it doesn't matter. She goes somewhere else. (laughs) She goes somewhere. That's true. She does. <laughs> she lands somewhere decidedly southern United States contemporarily, right? And she ends up at a family barbecue. Um, there's two brothers who run the thing. There's one brother who is just the meat genius, if you will, right? Like he is the one who's perfected it all. And then he has his brother who is kind of the de facto like manager promoter, right? He does the podcast. He organizes like the call-in radio show. He makes sure that like the business keeps expanding whether or not they have the revenue to do so. (laughs) He's the host with the most. Mm -hmm. He's a host with the most. He's incredibly sensitive to detail and can be very um, easily agitated. He also gets really fixed on like mm, systems and that like we have Mm -hmm. this working, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is fine and well till his brother has a come to Jesus moment and realizes that he no longer can take the life of animals and he's going to become a vegan and follow some other pursuit. 
Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a trouble. It's a trouble for some people when people are very good at something, but they just don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, Beth Ditto, speaking of gay culture, (laughs) Beth Ditto and this other brother conspire. I gotta get their names quick because it feels. Gosh, weird. I did. I did forget about Beth Ditto for a minute, even though when it happened. Oh, there's also a stray dog in it that follows Charlie around. That ends up being, uh, which once we get to our zodiacal assignment, makes sense, right? Right. It's actually her fault. Charlie comes to town and lends a copy of Okja, right, which is about the person with the giant pig, and he gets right, so yeah. moved by it. That he's like, you know what? Never mind. But the family, Taffy, who is his brother, and and Mandy, who is Beth Ditto, um, they can't afford to buy him out, and they're too greedy, and they want the money, basically. And so rather than just letting him go do his own thing, because they're like, we need your meat. Without your meat, what are we going to do? We're going to have a podcast? <laughs> like, what are we going to do? So they drug him and murder him. And uh, the dog is a key, key part of <laughs> the discovery. Yes. And there's a wild doggy, which is very mm-hmm. a Virgoin. Yes. Small animals. Very Virgoin. Pets. Sixth house, right? Also health. Also food service, I would say, actually, would probably fall into this area as well. Needs to be sanitary. We'd like it to be just so. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, you know, the next episode, mm-hmm. Rest in Metal. Yeah, what a great episode, because that is when Natasha Leon decides we get to hang out with Chloe Sevigny. Um, she's rescued her from her Warby Parker commercial jail. And now she's on our poker face screen. <sighs> And she's fantastic. She's sort of like a washout rocker who just can't fucking get her shit together and is bitter. Mm -hmm. And um, the story kind of features this young man, basically, who, you know, is just a free spirit, a freewheeling, no shoes wearing, Writing with his toes type of dude, you know, the kind of dude you might pick up under the boardwalk on Venice. And he's just, you know, he pees in the bottle and he makes music, you know. They think that they're just getting a little roadie, which is what they need. But he's got talent, man, and they can feel it. They can feel his talent. That's what they say. So they get him onto their band. And it turns out that they need his talent more than they need him. What's happening underneath this episode and alongside it is that Chloe Sevigny has also produced a horrible song called Merch Girl. And the song actually haunted Tennessee for most of his Vipassana <laughs> retreat, if you can believe it. And, <laughs> and a little did we know, but it turns out that the song is about Natasha Leone, who is currently... Traveling with the band as their merch girl. Those are just some of the details, you know. I didn't give it all. I didn't give it all. (gasps) Well, the sweet angel baby is is actually hired as their drummer because part of the reason they're washed out and upset is they had one 
hit song that their last drummer wrote that everybody mm-hmm. knows that they have to play every night but haven't gotten any royalties from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when they discover that he has, in fact, written a very catchy song, they will not be fooled again. (laughs) (laughs) They want to take him for all he's got. Yeah. And that means his life. You know, so to me, the musical components, the freewheeling stuff, the kind of darkness, the separation of, like, what belongs to whom in the creative world felt very Piscean, you know, felt like, a battle between Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love, if you will. I mean, also the barefoot. Like, come on. Pisces rules mm-hmm. the feet. The drummer was barefoot. That's also how he ends up dying. Whoa. Uh, was stuff. Courtney Love a Capricorn? No, she's a Cancer. Oh, well, okay. All right. It's not, it's not, not, <laughs> it's not, not what we thought. <laughs> also, <gasps> um, But yeah, I think as much as all of those describe this angel baby drummer boy, I think that Chloe Sevigny's character is kind of the the Eeyore quality that some Capricorns who feel like they haven't gotten their due for all their hard work express, much like me at the beginning of this show talking (laughs) about my bathroom (laughs) and the ungrateful men's who I cleaned up after. Um, Mm -hmm. But right, and this idea that like the ends justify the means and like I will get this recognition Mm -hmm. no matter Mm -hmm. the cost. Mm -hmm. So like kind of like a, like a Faye Dunaway mean mommy aspect that's happening here. That's sort of like what people think you know, it's like, yeah, cancer is associated with mothers, but sometimes people flip it. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't talk about the Capricorn cancer flipperoo. It's not always so binary. Mm-mm. Not at all. And, you know, I think in all of the opposing pair of signs, there's like some shade of the other, you know? Mm-hmm. Some flipperoos. Some flipperoos, some smurfs <laughs> and reverses, if you will. Some switches. <laughs> I will. Mm. All right. I think we have that figured out. Great. Fantastic. Everyone's on our bus, on our figuring bus. (laughs) Next up is the episode at the Senior Center. Yes. We've got Judith Light. We've got S. Epitha Merkerson. And we have a murder plot that takes place, right? Um, At first, they just seem like sweet old ladies, and we start to realize they're up to something. There's a field trip to see some monkeys. We don't really know what's happening there. But we do know that there is climbing Judith Light somehow launching out of a window and climbing down into it and going and doing some wild shit and then coming back in. It's not a very relevant part of the story. I just remembered it and can't, (laughs) can't filter it out. Anyway, basically, we have these two old biddies. We start to learn that they were part of, like, an anti-government group in the late 60s, still pretty on board. We learn that they were meant to be part of some kind of demonstration, some violent demonstration. But it sounds like they were, like, maybe going to just hurt property and not people, right? That's how it's kind of sold to us at first. Mysteriously, the leader, former leader of the cult, shows up at the fucking senior home. We think they're going to be really happy, right? We think that he went to jail, whatever. Something goes sour 
and they plot to murder him. And we find <laughs> out later that one of the chaperones who took them to the zoo was, in fact, Natasha Leone. So first she gets in with them. She thinks they're cool buddies. And then there's a reveal that, in fact, they were going to bomb an elementary school and he flipped on them because he was like, this is too far. This was supposed to be my group. You're killing children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, like, kudos to them for finding a way to get me to actually side with the government. Because <laughs> that takes something, you know? Mm-hmm. I guess. And that is like a cheap, a cheap ploy when there's it's just like, well, what about the, the baby? Yeah, it's, I mean, like, it's also like kids. classic Republican playbook. So, yeah. yeah. But when I think about group home, old people who are still pretty funny and spry, and other people's children, you know what I think? Oh, and conspiracies and cults? It's Aquarians. That's Aquarius as fuck. It's Aquarius. It's true. It's true. But there is also something sort of like begrudging and kind of like tenacious about mm. this episode, you know? So it's got like, you know, it's definitely got like an aqua sun for sure. Yeah. Like... The story is an Aquarian story. The group homes, you know, that's really like, that's an Aquarian territory. It's, it's not unlike a commune. <laughs> Elderly radicals, Saturn and Uranus working together, baby. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, 100. But I feel like there's also just something Torian going on. You know uh, what I mean? I mean... The way that both the friendship and the grudge are able to survive for that long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, feels... that's a part of it for sure. It's the two of them together. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also just like this, this stubbornly like clinging to an idea or an ideal long beyond the point when like you could or should change your mind about it. Right. Right. To There's also this element of how kind of bitchy they are to the other <laughs> There's residents that it's kind of like a particular kind of Tory and judginess. Like it's not based on like, it's not actually, it's actually based on vibes. Like it's mm -hmm. like the vibes are off with all the rest of these bitches and we don't have to talk. Yeah. I mean, cause it's not even gossipy. It's like literally just like no new friends. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have too many. It's like a real George Costanza. I have too many friends. That's enough. I've got one. That's enough. <laughs> it took, you know, it took them enough to just even like invite Natasha Leone in, you know? I mean, they didn't. She just kind of wheedled her way and, you know, it's like the RA. You can't really kick them out. Um, all right. So this next episode, episode six, I want to say that it's even hard for me to remember what the fuck's going on mm. in there. All I know is Jamila Jamila's in it. I don't really... Her vibe's off. I, my Torian moon bitchiness is like, can't even really focus no. on her. Um, that's just the truth. Everybody's here to hear it. But, you know, there's this, uh, it's another one of those, you know, the partner betrays the partner type of dealios. Yeah. It's, it's set in the theater. Rose, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, it's a real spy versus spy vibe, kind of. Um, basically, two, Tim Meadows and Ellen Barkin are the two main protagonist Tim Meadows is married to Jamila Jamil she's very wealthy he is kind of a washed up actor he used to be in a relationship with Ellen Barkin and they also used to like be stars of the stage together she's like we have to do one more revival he's like why I fucking hate you and she's like because I need the money and 
somehow he gets convinced to do it, right? At first it's presented to us as though like there, there's a lot of energy poured into this purported animosity between these mm -hmm. two. So they set up, they finally like put together a production. He gets roped into it. They just complain about each other the whole time, but heads the entire time. It's opening night. And this is where it gets to spy versus spy. Basically, they each try to sabotage and murder each other by um, tampering with certain equipment, right? Mm -hmm. And they do this all with their mics on so that everybody in the auditorium can hear them complaining about the other one. Oh, that's right. But they've timed it out just so that they both narrowly miss the actual death, but that when Jamila Jamil goes on stage to check on Tim Meadows, who's pretending to have a heart attack, the dry ice pin that was meant to keep the stage plug in, which used to be a metal pin, but it was replaced, falls through and she falls to her death and it gets blamed on a stage manager who they drugged, right? Dang, you know, they really tried. They really tried it. I feel like there's just too many dominoes mm -hmm. in effect in that particular one. It's like... They were they were doing too much. Mm -hmm. And couldn't just have the open conflict. Yeah. <laughs> doing too much, couldn't just have a real fight. Are we talking about Libras everywhere? We I mean, we're not not talking about many Libras somewhere, right? That's a Libra way to answer it. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. I, I hear you. But, right, it's like, it's so dramatic, which I think is actually a feature mm -hmm. of the Libran disposition. It's not not. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like that passive drama where it's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. you kind of almost feel like you're in their play. Yeah, You know, it's not like the drama that Aries brings, which is just like, we're having a balls out fight right now. It's not that kind of drama. No, 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 no. It's like, what is this road you're taking me on? <laughs> Are we having a monologue? Are you monologuing mm -hmm. about the last 10 years? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, I think that there's this presumption about a Libra presiding over justice, which can be true sometime. Well, also it's that idea that it's like, it's sort of like in the courts, right? Mm -hmm. Just because somebody thinks something is just, doesn't mean it's just for everybody. Justice is really also yeah. a little bit in the eyes of the beholder. And wielded by the powerful, right? Like just because mm -hmm. something's illegal doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Homosexual. <sighs> so like... Yeah. It's also like a, you know, it's an episode that very much is invested in these dialogues of partnership. So there's that element as well. What mm -hmm. can you do for me? What can I do for you? How do we combine our powers to do more? Well, and also like the seventh house is the house of open enemies, right? Even though that becomes clear that it's a ruse between these two, but that mm -hmm. it's like. But it's a ruse they're using. Yeah, yeah. Use using the, the ruse. ruse. Oh, zap. All right. Um, to those listeners who miss the um, abject drama of Gal and I just fighting to the teeth over what signs we think things are, don't worry, that'll happen again. But this show, it just really played out in the right way, you know? 
It happened when we recap Yellow Jacket season two, I'm sure. To like go back in and be like, not this time. Not this time. <laughs> yes. Don't worry. Next time. Next time. <clears throat> Next we have the car racing one. Can you remember? Mm -hmm. Can you refresh us a little bit on what's going on in that Me? episode? Me? I just tried to refresh this Ellen Barkin episode. Okay. And then I finished it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's this episode. It's about car racing, not the NASCAR kind, but more like the backroads kind. People are just trying to figure shit out with their fucking little racetracks. But, you know, here's there's a little bit of a kind of like it's a generational journey. You know, there's this one dude. He builds his little jalopy and he gets it out on the road. <laughs> He's got a good reputation. He's got a daughter. And uh, she wants to race too, but he won't let her. He's not ready to give up. He's not ready to give up the throne. He's mm. Game of Thrones in it. He's yeah. just really sticking his ass down there. Um, now we've got this other dude. And he's this like young buck on the scene. And, you know, he wants to make a name for himself. He wants, he doesn't even, it's like, what are you getting? You get like no money from this. It's all about like local fame, the possibility of more opportunities somewhere on the horizon. So they're not even really competing for like true money. You know, they're just competing to be well known and regarded as like the head honcho of, of, of the race, so to speak. Trouble. Ahead. troubles on the track yeah it's true <laughs> because the old you know the old guard won't won't give up their post and the new riders are um headstrong and a little bit egotistical if not a lot yeah what results is violence it's true i mean mainly what happens is the the young guy Davis McDowell. Keith Owens is the dad and Davis McDowell is the young guy. The young guy humiliates him, right? They're racing and he like kind of runs him off the road when he was going to win. And so then the young guy mm -hmm. takes it and he like is losing it. And so he's like, I'm going to fix you. He sneaks. He called the guy also runs a tow truck. So he calls the tow in for an accident that doesn't exist and then sneaks into his garage and sabotages his car. Right. Mm -hmm. It's sabotage. Mm -hmm. But what we find out is that um, the young guy didn't end up going out to the tow because he was too drunk. His mom went and did it for him. And he actually discovers the sabotage and then engages his own ruse, wherein he invites old dude's daughter to drive a test run in the car that's been rigged. He leaves it fucked up. He has no intention of driving the car. And basically then this guy sees who he thinks is his nemesis get in this accident only to realize that it's his own daughter who he has ushered towards this fate, right? Well, those words really swam together for me, although I know I know the episode. But yeah, probably right. Probably right. <laughs> Basically, dude booby traps other guy's car. Other guy finds out about it, leaves the car booby trapped, and then kind of tricks other guy's daughter to drive in the car that dad booby trapped so dad's daughter yeah. is driving the car dad booby trapped dad loses it 
confesses, right? Regains his honor. But then mm. something still isn't quite right, which Charlie figures out. It's a real Lion King scenario. You know <laughs> what I mean? All this shall be yours. Just don't touch the shade. <laughs> and watch out for your uncle. <laughs> 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 your gay ass fucking uncle oh my god jeremy Irons. yes so, as you can tell this is a real leo real leo category for us it's Leo's having fuck. to do with descendants mm -hmm. it's gonna have to do with ego with fame mm -hmm. and with also yeah that necessary generational conflict that plays out in any kind of legacy Mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Also, there's a lot of children in this episode like excessive amounts of children and yeah. that's really uh, a leo thing leos love kids they're always around it's also interesting like yeah the contrast between this episode and for instance when the old folks home right like you're like yeah no those are <laughs> yeah that's that's the two they're they're in conversation it's true <sighs> all right Rose, yeah. what about the next episode? The next episode, we stumble upon three kind of boomers. <laughs> kind of boomers. Three boomer rumors. <laughs> three boomies. Um, one played by our gay friend, uh, Cherry Jones. One by a most disheveled Nick Nolte. And one by Tim Russ. Basically, they all used to be part of this production company called LAM. Nick Nolte in particular just makes like these wild dioramas and sea creatures and environments. And like in the 80s, they used to make like these wild sci-fi movies and then kept going. Um, and they're having this big anniversary gala to celebrate. And so they've been archiving this footage. And there is some footage that's been found that's super disturbing, right? And damning. And damning. Cherry Jones and Tim Russ kept going with the company for a long time. But Nick Nolte, after an early film, became a shut-in, totally um, just lost it. Basically, a woman died during filming. They were filming a really difficult underwater scene where she was wrestling with an octopus. It's very Ed Wood, honestly. And um, she was having trouble staying underwater to get the shot. Uh, and anytime she needed to get out, they had a safety built in where she would flash this red light, right? And so they finally got the shot. It looked so real. The thing really killed her. This was like the longest, longest shoot. They only had this day to catch it. And um, then they go to pull her out and she's died. And he is, he was looking for the red light. He never saw it. He doesn't know what happened, but he blames himself, right? Like he wanted the shot. This woman died. So he goes for 30 years thinking it's his fault because he was like so committed to the shot and so controlling about it. Only to find out that actually Cherry Jones unscrewed the light bulb during the last shot. And this woman actually was trying to get out and drowned, right? Now, the other person who finds out is her ex-husband, who she runs the company with. He's going to go public with it. And then he... Does he kill himself or does she poison him? It's a mixed bag. Yeah. I think she poisons him, but then he like just runs away in horror when he's figured out what's happened. Anyway, yeah. the point is Tasha Leone lands on the scene now where there's like a death and a sad old man. She becomes friends with the sad old man, asks to get mm -hmm. a job with him. And so Leone unravels things, right? 
That's true. It's true. Yeah. Themes. Secrets. Betrayal. Other people's money. Other people's money and business. Poison. Poison. <laughs> the prevailing theme is poison. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also the shame and withdrawal, right? Which can also be associated certainly at least with plutonian aspects but like mm -hmm. i don't know feeling like there's a stain on your soul i don't think every scorpio feels that way but i think some sometimes do that's an unfortunate truth yeah so i guess like a kind of transformation because there's masks involved and like costuming yeah yeah and also he like keeps trying to rewrite or rework the myth in a way where like he didn't murder mm -hmm. this person you know yeah a different kind of i know it's just like resurrection in some capacity mm -hmm. and just as in almost every episode there's a healthy dose of revenge oh yeah <laughs> but it's but it's not this episode is sort of like it's not like revenge. It's like, um, like the way that Terry Jones's character exacts her idea of like justice is not so hapless as Chloe Sevigny's actual Scorpio, obviously. Although Terry Jones is too. Um, uh, it's not like that. Like I deserve this, so that's what I get. It's more like a constant, very like that Games of Thrones, Game of Thrones, tell them it was me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> moment, you know, <laughs> it's a real, it's a real setting up of the dominoes each time. Very calculated, very long game. And, and delivered cold. And I think it's also that like all of this stems from this kind of buried secret that's been like gnawing away, right? Mm -hmm. We'll come back up eventually, right? Nothing stays yeah, buried. <laughs> I'll do. Nothing's buried in the ocean. Fuck. Well, we're rounding it out, right? We're in like the ninth or tenth inning stretch. <laughs> you mean in our our uh, in our fun activity? Mm -hmm. Very fun. Rounding it out. <laughs> All right. Well, the next episode, episode nine. Mm -hmm. Um, is actually one of the most fun episodes to yeah. me. <laughs> it takes place on um, a very snowy mountaintop in which, you know, we are introduced to Joseph Gordon-Levitt mm. being a kind of, um, what is it? You know, uh, what's it called? What's, what do you call the thing that he's got going on there? Uh, he's like a gross Wall Street bro insider trader. Right, but he's um, he's basically uh, in home jail. Oh, house <laughs> arrest! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like what's that word again? Home jail, Gail. <laughs> yeah, he's got yeah, a yeah. no no bracelet. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's um he's under house arrest, so you can't leave his like marble prison. Yeah, and you see him constantly ordering takeout and like fucking totally shafting the delivery dude is delivering to him in the fucking middle of nowhere and so you're getting kind of the sense of this like this other kind of incel i guess like just another one yeah yeah <laughs> yeah on the other side of things you know you've got um natasha leone who has had a dalliance, mm. you know, she's been feeling free. 
and united with nature, found another freewheeling, back to the earth, Piscean type dude, but this one's the right age for her. And, you know, she's getting down with the sickness, but she's not down with it for long. You know, she understands that she can't, she can't live on the hippie, on the hippie juice forever. So she decides to leave him, but it's snowing. Mm -hmm. The weather causes some issues. She barely has enough to get where she's going, but she does encounter a pickpocket mm -hmm. who goes by Morty. <laughs> Stephanie Shoes genderless experiment. <laughs> Based off of a stolen wallet, of course. And together they make a rapscallion pair. Yep. And they are on they're off on an ill-fated adventure in a car that is most certainly not suited to the elements. Not for real drive. Um, and that's where their story begins to careen towards Joseph Gordon-Levitt's story. <laughs> As they're on the road, they get stuck. It's snowing. Um, Natasha Leone's character is left while Stephanie Shu goes seeking for help. Stephanie Shu has not returned. Natasha Leone gets on the road. It's dark. Meanwhile, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has just recognized that the elements have made it so that power is down and he can leave his gilded cage. He's a little rumspringer. Yeah, so he's out there jiggling his bracelet out in the wind. And would you believe it, he hits Natasha Leone on the road. Yes. And would you believe it, she's still fucking alive, like it's totally normal. <laughs> Of course, he's pulling, I know what you did last summer. He's trying to pretend he never did that. Uh, <laughs> we know what he did this winter. It was not good. Um, So he thinks he can get away with it. He's trying to, you know, see what there is to be seen, do what there needs to be done. Get this. Just like I know what you did last summer. This bitch shows up at his door. <laughs> Well, but it's not even his door. He goes no, it's not. for help to the lodge that like his old friend is in charge yeah. of. Yeah. Right. He's got sort of like one of those like childhood bros who hates him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're like pals forever who hate each other, I guess. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this guy's really like really got a friend a friend indeed. Yeah. And he wants to help his other friend. But he also doesn't. He hates his rich friend. Yeah. He hates his rich friend. This is a this is an episode about class. Yeah. It's an episode about friendship. It's an episode about what we owe each other. There's a lot involved. It's an episode about loyalty, right? And about coming home and maybe people not being related to you anymore, right? Mm. That that whole like is blood thicker than water? Is you know are we? Are we thick as thieves? Like, is friendship enough? These blood brothers or whatever. Yeah. They're meant to fall apart. They are. You know, they may have been born in the same shell, but they got to find their own. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Natasha Leone has entered the scene 
bloody and battered to reveal to reveal the the faults yeah yeah and their friendship well it's also interesting because there's this temporary amnesia that she experiences right so there's this forgetting on the one side but then also kind of this reverberation of history and things that these two can't forget about the relationship like they're bound together by sins of the past and now they've got this brand new one walking in so they have a brand new baby <laughs> who has no idea and they can't forget right right um, and if you haven't guessed we think this was a cancer episode why do we think it's a cancer episode because <laughs> mm, i think it's about origins it's about history and being pulled back into the past it's also mm. about the kind of resentment that will build in cancerian types when they are continuously looked to for unfailing support mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. it like really being recognized or without that same kind of care being extended right like joseph gordon levitt feels like he can always go home to this dude and he'll always take care of him absolutely right absolutely right and and so yeah there is kind of this shift that happens and it's also like there are these kind of womb-like spaces right of the trunk and then of this hole in the ground with dead bodies that's true that's that true the deep, the deep root the deep tree root hole mm -hmm. yeah yeah so where she where she goes down and comes back up again i wouldn't have been surprised if the other dead girl came up the way that I they're know. throwing down there and coming back up <laughs> that's a zombie hole mm -hmm. also house arrest like you can't leave your shell <laughs> <laughs> house arrest cancerian theme you're right <laughs> house scale all right you got me you got me we got one more episode to think through it's episode 10 it's the episode where, you know, the rooster comes home to roost. Yeah, the hook brings us back. Do roosters roost? <laughs> I mean, it would be weird to name something after a thing and them to not do it. It happens all the time. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Right, so Benjamin Bratt catches up. To Natasha Leone, who's been recovering in a hospital. Ron Perlman is like, let her recover. She gets driven back to, is it Reno? I feel like it's not even Vegas. Fuck if I know what's going on with geography. I went to public school. But they're definitely they're definitely out in the desert. Yeah. That's for sure, you know. <laughs> yeah, they're in a gambling town. She gets brought back. Ron Perlman explains that like he actually no longer blames her for Adrian Brody's death because he had the whole place wiretapped the whole time. And so he knew about the scheme, knew about the trouble that he was in. He knew that his son kind of crossed him in a way to try to impress him and that that was all his own mess and that it's not Tashi Leone's fault. He has one last ask of her and then they can call themselves even and that's for her to help him kind of settle the score with this mob family, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what That's he doesn't true. know is that Benjamin Bratt has actually been on the take with that family this whole time. So he sets up an elaborate ruse to murder Ron Perlman and to frame Natasha Leone. Dang. With a gift of a magi, right? It's true. And you know who he set up this elaborate ruse with? Another Perlman that we're all Ooh. familiar with. That's right. One Rhea Perlman. That's right. 
another gay canon if only for that one image that circulated for a while from Matilda where everybody decided that each character was a lesbian style type I mean they're not not <laughs> <laughs> so what do we but have going about on? you know I was gonna say there is something about her character in Cheers that's incredibly gay mm. um what do we have well We've got sleight of hand. We've got card tricks. We've got deceit. We've always got deceit. Double crossing. We've always got some double crossing. Um, there's also this kind of like, who's your friend? Who's not situation, mm -hmm. right? But there's also a very specific scene in episode 10. It's very special to mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Something doesn't happen in any other episode. Well, oh, is this moment? <laughs> do, it, do, it, do it, do it, Well, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to mention it. You can do it. It's a moment of um of fanaticism in a way, a moment of ode Lyrical when recitation has taken place. <laughs> suck it in, suck it in if you're Anne Boleyn or Rintintin. Make a desperate move or else you win. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. But yeah, Benjamin Bratt reciting to a captive, very unhappy Natasha Leone the entirety of the Blues Traveler song, Hook. It's literal and figurative, right? The hook brings you back, right? He's the mm -hmm. hook. He's bringing her back to kind of face the music, if you will. Yeah, face that music. To me, that kind of hook for the music, that's a real Gemini journey, and I think yeah. you agree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and this was a, all of the episodes are very funny, but this was, a, that, like, I died. I died when that happened. I was like, wow, <laughs> I had to talk to Gala about this. And Benjamin Bratt really, also speaking of somebody who hasn't really aged in the last, like, 20, 30 years. He's the same guy. Yeah. Same guy. He's real handsome too, let's be honest. He is. He's handsome in a way that I'm like almost resentful of. <laughs> I'm just He's like... handsome in that way where I would like fuck him once with a friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Which also feels like a Gemini thing, you know? <laughs> Why not? Yeah, just like just for fun. Just to like get the ball rolling, you know? Yeah. See what else could happen tonight. Yeah, and then and then maybe after he's a little loosened up, then he'll let you like dress him in drag, and that's when it's really fun. One hundred percent. That's know? exactly what happens after. You're yeah. like, oh my god, oh my god, you're, you're so cold. Cute. Put on this robe. It's silk. He just wakes up with just like makeup all over his face, falling <laughs> out of a corset, and you're like, this is fun. Get out, <laughs> please leave. <laughs> Ooh, well, we did here. it. We did. I hope everybody enjoyed the ride. I hope that there are fans of the show yes. that were excited to hear us think through all these episodes and recount them. Because to be honest with you, listeners, I really wish I hadn't watched them mm. just so I could watch them again with yeah. new eyes. It's true. It's true. I think in five years I can rewatch it again. Mm -hmm. Fresh. That'd be so good. I could rewatch it with a friend. But yeah. you know, it's that thing where I would do it in that way where I'm just looking at them the whole time like, isn't this good? Did you like that? Did yeah. you predict that? Did yeah. you see that coming? Yeah. Nobody likes that, but hmm. sometimes 
It's not for them. You got to do it. It's for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gala, I think we did what we came here to do. What do you think? I mean, I do too. Do you have any parting words of um, astrological wisdom, Rose? I would just say take every invita- invitation. Take every Invent- invitation to slow down, like really take a look at your to-do list and like if it's not absolutely fucking necessary push it to the back burner like this is your cosmic permission to just do the things you have to do for the next Mm -hmm. few weeks month or so because it's there's a lot there's going to be a lot of kind of kinks and bumps in the road we have mercury retrograde that's fun. We've got eclipse season. That's, That's way out of our hands. You know what I mean? And so it's yeah, like, it's too much. I think it's just really also honestly, like pick something that you've been avoiding, but that's not hard and let that be what you like go back and redo instead of like trying to like, guess what? You're not going to be breaking new ground right now you're not going to be like sauntering off into the brave new world but you could sit in the sun for 10 fucking minutes and wiggle your toes in the grass if that's available to you you could go through your closet and find things that you're ready to let go of yes that's like that's a fun eclipse activity just be like i'm I'm never i don't need to wear these jeans ever again i don't have to like keep bringing them around (laughs) every year Thinking about how I can't wear them anymore. Let it go. If your butt Make doesn't look cool in them, get rid of them. Yeah. It's not you. It's the, the past is past. Your past butt <laughs> no longer exists. You have only this butt. You have only this butt now. The ass is past. On that note, Gala, do you have anything you need or want to promote or share with our friends? Um, let's see. Well, not yet, but very soon. Sounds good. Sounds good. Books are Goodbye. open. Bye. Bye. No, here. now I'm going to promote something. Just because you didn't have something doesn't mean I did. Shut up. No. <laughs> wow. Uh, my supportive <laughs> friend. Wow. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we just had our first surviving Saturn meetup for folks in their Saturn return. It was really sweet. We had people in their first and second Saturn returns show up. We talked about ecotones. Um, and it was really lovely and nice to meet you and work with you. So if you're in a Saturn return right now, May 21st is the next group. I hope you can join us. It'll be cool. Yeah. Sharing wisdoms. And experiences. It's cute. Oh my god. Oh my so god. beautiful of you. Thank you. Okay, Gala, now I'll release you. Shut up. You <laughs> shut up. You shut up. Wow, what a way to end an Aries episode, huh? <laughs> shut it! Shut up, are we done yet? Put some, put some pie in that hole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put some something. I'm very hungry. Okay, I love okay. you. Goodbye. I love you. Bye. <laughs> Big Deck Energy is mixed and recorded by Rose Blakelock and features original theme music by Knight of Cups. Though they share a deep and abiding friendship, Carrie Brownstein and Fred Armisen never actually dated. Brittany Murphy does appear in Freeway, and the Frost Casino is meant to be in Las Vegas, Nevada.